So this, anybody have a week? This has been a week. <laughs> Woo! I don't know if she's watching on live stream, but Thursday I went down to Lansing and my two other brothers, one of them couldn't make it, and my sister, we took mom over to an assisted living facility, which, that was fun. And she has a beautiful place. Mom, if you're watching, love you. I hope you're enjoying your new apartment. And uh, look forward to getting down there and seeing you sometime soon. And then Friday, we decided that it was time to say goodbye to our dog, Rudy. And, you know, we've had him 13 years. And he was such a good boy. (laughs) Every time I say that, I start crying. I was like, oh. And everything I see. So what I do when I come back, after going to the vet, I had to clean up dog poop. And, and that wasn't his outside, by the way. I don't know who did that. Mike? <laughs> Thor leaving us presents? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to miss him. And, and, you know, isn't it stupid crazy how our animals are like our family and man that's one of the hardest things to do I think and I only share that today I want you guys to know that we're just like you we go through the same kind of things you go through and it's not easy life is sometimes it's it's got its challenges doesn't it I want to start today with the uh, topic that we are the local church Can you say that with me? We are the local church. You're going to say that a few more times before I get finished here. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And we have a mission. All of us have a mission to to be able to explain our faith to a world that is quickly moving into what I would call immoral and God-forsaken beliefs. And I'm not trying to blast anybody here today. I'm just stating what I see. But I think it's truth. So before I really jump into this, I just wanted to make it clear. What is church? So Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines church as, number one, it's a building. Duh. It's where we're at, right? This beautiful place that God has blessed us with. And uh, we use it. For gatherings, we use it to bless the community when we can, and it is a public or predominantly Christian worship center, right? Number two, it's the clergy. I don't know why. That's pastors, priests, whatever. Uh, Leaders are often thought of as church. But honestly, number three is the most important, the body church is the body. It's an organization of religious believers with the emphasis on organization. We can't do anything unless we're organized. If we just came in here and just threw our hands up and said, you know, whatever God wants to do, say la, say la, it'd be a mess. And I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't interject. That's, don't mishear what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, If you don't have a plan, it's going to be a disaster, no matter what it is you try to do, right? Are you with me? You believe that? 
So the church can be the building or the meeting place or the church leadership. However, it is the body of Christ that represents all the believers in the world. So not only is it little c, it's also big c, right? The hope is a local church organized around a particular mission based on the doctrines and the beliefs prescribed by the assemblies of God in Springfield, beautiful Springfield, Missouri. Headquarters for the Bass Pro Shop. (laughs) Jokingly, jokingly putting that aside, it it is where uh, many of our leaders reside, and uh, they're good people. Today, though, I want to focus on the local church. Who is the local church? We are the local church. That's right. And that's often a specific denomination or a non-denominational church which represents like-minded believers. If you're in a church and you've got 20 different belief systems there, how long do you think that would last? (laughs) You'd be arguing about everything, right? Aren't you thankful that we can come into unity? We can worship the Lord together without raising a big stick and saying, you're crazy. That's not what it says. You and I, we are the local church. It is the people who are in the community. Right? When people in our community are asked, what is the Hope Church? They're probably going to point to this place. However, That's not the church. You're the church. When the community thinks about the Hope Church, and then they find out you go here, does that reinforce their desire to be with Jesus or know more about Him? Or does it repel them? Hmm. Hopefully, it's the former, that you draw people to the church, not away from it. You draw people toward Jesus, not away from Him. It is the people who give the church a good or a bad name. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. Each and every one of us represents Jesus. You and I are Jesus with skin on. I like to put it that way. He left it all in our hands. Before he left, before he ascended to heaven, he told us what to do, and he put the church in our hands. And now it's up to us what we do with it. It's our responsibility to make sure that the church, the local church, survives and thrives. As I see it, the local church has always been the most important part of God's plan for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. God knows why he did that. When I think about it, I think of how flawed we are, how broken we are, including me. Oh, but you're the pastor. So? (laughs) What's that have to do with it? I'm human. You come up and I bleed. See, I did that yesterday. I'm no different than you are other than I have a title of pastor that God has 
put me in authority over this church just because somebody has to drive the ship. But other than that, I'm just like you. I struggle like you. I am tempted like you. I sin like you. <gasps> I do. And when I do, I go to Him and I say, Lord, forgive me. All of us, all of us are a part of this church. And for whatever reason, God chose us to be the impetus for reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Can you say it again? We are the local church. Now here's some good news if you want to look at it like this. According to modern surveys, evangelicalism, that's us, has been steady or on the rise since about 1970. Hmm. It's quite a ways back. That includes the Pentecostal denomination, which we just happen to be, like the Assemblies of God. However, and here's the bad news, mainline denominations have been losing ground. They've been losing their attendance, their patrons, their members, their churches are starting to die off. And before anybody here gets boastful about, hoorah for the assembly, you need to understand that America is fast becoming a nation where other nations are sending missionaries. Think about that. Other countries like Brazil, Mexico, Africa, They're sending their missionaries. South Korea, they're sending their missionaries to the United States because we are an immoral or becoming an immoral nation. Does anybody else, your, the hair kind of bristles on the back of your neck when you hear that? What, is it, what does it say for the church when other countries have to send their missionaries here? What is it? We're not doing our job. We're, we're not doing what Jesus called us to do. To be the local church. In my studies, I've discovered that churches that preach the truth, the all of the gospel, okay? They don't just pick and choose pieces of it, whatever floats their boat. The churches that preach the truth and don't water it down and continue to vigorously emphasize Matthew 28, which is, we did some of that here today. They're the churches that are still growing. However, the churches, like the mainline denominations, that have lost their evangelizing edge, they are declining in number. One modern phenomena is this. People no longer just show up at church because it's something to do. That used to happen. 50s, 60s, 70s, the 80s. How many were in church in the 80s? How many are old enough? You remember the revival that took place? I mean, it was like everybody wanted to know Jesus. You didn't even have to hardly say, hey, you want to go to church? They were like, hey, where do you go to church? I want to go with you. And it's like, today, just the opposite. 
What do I need church for? Ah, that Jesus, he's just a crutch. Why would I want to go to a place with a bunch of hypocrites? All they want is your money. Boy, you're, you're boisterous today, aren't you? Thirty percent of the U.S. population considers Christianity to be irrelevant, and that number is growing quickly. Many who confess to being a Christian feel that the local church is no longer necessary for them to practice their faith. So I'm going to spend some time on this topic. We are the local church. You and me. Why does it matter if people believe or don't believe in the church? Because this is the vehicle that God chose to evangelize this world. Whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, it is how it is. And we need to grasp hold of this and recognize we all, if you're here, you have a responsibility to the kingdom of God. And by the way, I'm not here today to be a mortician. We have enough of those. I'm here to be a, an obstetrician. I want to see growth. I want to see new birth. And we have witnessed that this year. And it's just the beginning. When we preach all of the gospel and we evangelize, which is a big part of the church, God will grow it. It's not our job to grow it. It's His, right? The Apostle Paul said this. He said, I watered it. Apollos, no, I planted. Apollos, water. water, thank you. My mind is not here. Yesterday, I almost called Roger and said, Pastor Roger, you're lucky, man, because I really, my brain is somewhere else. Thank you. Yeah, as he says, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. You know, we need to stand on passages after I get over my embarrassment here. Like Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope in those days when you pray, I will listen. Amen. Hallelujah. How many have been praying? I'm going to talk about this in just a minute. But we need to be praying for the people that are around us. The ones that don't even know they're missing something. They're missing the best that God has to give them. And we need to lift them up in our prayer time and trust that God's going to do the miraculous there. And He may even use you to either drag them in, invite them in, or speak to them and share the truth. And they may do it right in your living room. You may end up leading them right to Jesus. Sidestepping the building. Because you are the church. I am the church. God said, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me.
Don't be passive in your relationship with him. All right? You go after him with everything you've got. I don't care how old you are. If you're two, like little Paisley over here, or if you're old, like I'm not pointing to anybody. <laughs> we'll leave that one alone. So we need to stand on passages like this. Another great one, and, and I've shared this a lot. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, who's going to build it? Jesus. Jesus is going to build this church, and all the powers of hell will not, will not, will not, will not, will not conquer it. We have the life-giving words of Jesus. We have rivers of living waters flowing out of us. Now, Tammy, I know you just went and you just joined in in a Holy Ghost, right? Could anybody tell that Tammy was full of God this morning? And she was trying to spill out over you. And that's what happens when you love the Lord, when you spend time with Him. Jesus said, anyone who believes in Me may come and drink. When you come and drink from Jesus, this is what happens. Rivers of living water will flow from your heart. How awesome is that? Man, we should be a bunch of rivers going down through this town. People ought to be going, whoo, I should have put waders on. Where'd this come from? And it's not water. It's, don't, don't take this. It, it literal, not, it's not a literal thing. It's a metaphor, meaning that the glory of God spills out all over these people. You are the church. I am the church. We are the local church. And in Gaylord, Michigan, or wherever you hail from, you ought to be spilling out over people. Rivers of living waters. Hallelujah. God is so awesome. Why would He put anything in us? You ever ask that question? It's like, why would he give us the great command, all the responsibility to see his church grow? And then why would he put himself in these tainted blah, blah, vehicles? What, what's that? Dirtlings. We're dirtlings. Man, that's going back to Genesis, okay? Just, just. All right, we're weird. If you're new here, yeah, we're weird. I get it. We are a peculiar people. <laughs> oh, man. Let me ask you, why should people go to church? God loves you. That's a good one. But do you have to go to church for God to love you? Not picking on you. I'm, just, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> he came, commanded us to. Yep, church is important. The church is where we get our spiritual batteries recharged. Now, I'm not saying you can't listen to some podcast or some uh, live stream preacher somewhere and have your batteries recharged. But there is something about being together. Where two or more gather in His name, He is here. And there is something about, when you're struggling, 
and you've got something deep and serious going on in your life, what do you need to do? Grab a hand of another believer or two and say, come on and pray with me. I need a breakthrough. How many can say amen? Amen. How many do this? (laughs) Not as many. Why? Pray to judgment. Thank you for that. And, and that's true. You know what? Pride often steps its ugly head up and convinces us that you don't want people to know that about you. They're going to think you're weak. You know why I shared about what he had going on last week? Because I want you to know I'm weak. But when I'm weak, he is strong. And that's where God does his best work. Isn't that truth? The local church is a place where the Holy Spirit comes and lifts you up. When I leave here, even though I'm preaching, I always leave here better than when I first came in. That's true. The local church is a place of encouragement to help us fight the good fight. We are all in a fight. How many of you, don't raise your hand, had a struggle with your spouse this week? Or (laughs) ex-spouse. That happens. Or with your child, adult or adolescent. Or with your boss. Or with yourself. We're our own worst enemy. Sometimes. That's why we need Jesus. Because he could take this mess and he could make something of it. When you invite him to take control, to take charge, and you give him permission to do that daily, you will be different. You'll be this person that has rivers of living waters pouring out of you. We need encouragement. When you think about all the stuff on the media, whether it's the television or the internet or whatever, how many times do you see something positive? Maybe 10%? Maybe? The rest of it is all garbage. Negativity, hatred, division. The devil knows what he's doing. And I hate to say it, but the media is driven by Satan himself. So when you come to the local church, you don't need bad news, you need good news. The good news, right? In a church... That has good news speaks the love speaks the truth in love. We don't skip over stuff, we say it like it is. And the intention is that we we build each other up, not tear each other down. And if you leave here torn down more than you were when you came in, then we did something wrong. We failed you. But I believe that when you let when you let the Holy Spirit work in you. 
that you will leave here encouraged. You will leave here built up. You will leave here strengthened. Together we are the body of Christ. We are here to build each other up in our faith. Now I wanted to share a couple of passages from Ephesians 4. I'm going to start with 29. And what I want you to see here is not just the fact that we encourage each other, but also the other side of it, because he does both. He, you know, Paul's good at showing both sides of the coin. The good and the bad. And he's dealing with real people. Say that, real people. We're real people. You know, the, the, the church, wrongly, some think is a place where until you get your life right, you can't go in there. No, this is a place where you go when you are messed up. When you are broken. When you are having problems. You don't have to get all fixed up for us. Please, don't think like that. We want you to come in here if you have a prayer need. If, if there's something going on in your life that's so much bigger than you and you can't deal with it. Come together. Come together. But Paul starts out in this verse 29. I've got it up behind me. Don't use foul or abusive language. Notice how he starts. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know James said this in, I believe it's chapter 3, he said, the tongue has the power of life and death. What is yours spewing? When you get around people who need Jesus, what, what are you saying to them? Paul's clear. Don't use foul or abusive language. And by the way, this includes those clever little jokes where somebody is thrown under the bus. It may be clever to you, but somebody may be offended by that. So you shouldn't say it if it's harmful to anyone. I remember growing up, we had so many blonde jokes. <laughs> Polish jokes. You know what I'm saying. Got a Polish guy over here. <laughs> Part of you anyway. Don't do that. I mean, I like good humor. I, I listen to the, the comedy bar. Dry comedy bar. It's clean humor. That doesn't mean they're Christian, by the way. If you go there, they're not always Christian. So. But what they say is usually good humor. It's funny. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's what the local church does. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Hello? We should ask at the end of every day, maybe at the beginning, <laughs> but at the end of every day, we should say, Lord, have we offended you? And if we have, we need to change something. Do not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. 
Your name's been written in the Lamb's book of life. He loves you. He loves you. So honor Him with your life. And then the next verse. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. As well as all types of evil behavior. Now, before I knew Jesus, before we knew Jesus, my house was a war zone. Probably three or four days out of the seven. Maybe more than that. I'd come home from work, ornery. I'd sit down in front of my Harman Kardon 2,000 watt stereo. My wife would have babies in bed. She'd be sleeping because she had to get up with them at 6 a.m. And selfish Norman, well, I've worked all day. I have every right to hear my music and to hear it good. The whole house would be shaken. What do you think that did? <laughs> and if you knew the music I listened to, it was, it was uh, contemporary jazz and man, the bass, the drums. Usually she would come out and I would just see the look on her face. And then I wouldn't look at her anymore. Because it was scary. It was a scary look. Some of you know where I'm going with this. Why do we do that? That's all types of evil behavior. I knew better. I didn't care. Until I got born again. Then I cared. Instead, then it was the instead side. Be kind to each other. Was that kind? Be tenderhearted. Was I being tenderhearted? Forgiving one another? Well, that's what she should have done after I... (laughs) Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Listen, this is how we live with each other. And what Paul is saying to the Ephesians equally applies to us today, right? This is how we need to live. We are the local church. We can invite people into the kingdom of God or we can repel them from the kingdom. The church, you and me, we should create an atmosphere that everyone can enjoy when they're around us. Anything else is counterfeit. That's where that hypocrisy thing comes in. We need to be genuine. Church should be a haven for people. Are we? I like to think we're trying. We're getting there. Church should be a haven for people, a place where a person can relax, enjoy fellowship with each other and with the Lord, and worship the King. That's what it should be. Whether it's here, whether it's in your car, whether it's in your home, that place doesn't matter. You are the church. Hello? That's what drew Barb and me to Mount Hope. It wasn't the church. It was the people. When we walked in there, and I've said this before, but the first thing I heard was, welcome home, son. So first, God identified. This is where you're supposed to be. First time I'd heard his voice. Scared me. I'd heard the other guy's voice a lot up to that point. This is the first time I'd actually heard the Lord. And and I actually turned and looked for him. Barb heard the same thing. But it was the people. They were so genuine. Hey, hey, are you new? 
hey, my name is, and, and people were coming out of the woodwork trying to help us get our kids into the nursery and then getting us a seat. It was amazing. Those people are still some of my best friends. Amen. And this is, that was 1981. So the ones that haven't already gone to glory, I still love them. And you're my church today. You're my fellow believers. We're in this together. Hallelujah. But people aren't coming to church like they used to. That means that the people of God, the true believers, need to up their game. We need to up our game. We got to stop repelling them and start inviting them. And I ain't saying just by saying, hey, you need to come to church. That's last. Your invitation begins when they first meet you. How you respond to them. Whether you use kind words or foul words. Whether you treat them with respect and dignity or not. That's your invitation. That's your first invitation. Hallelujah. As your pastor, I want to encourage you this year to become a disciple maker. Somebody that makes disciples who make disciples. Every single one of you is a disciple if you follow Jesus. Every disciple is a missionary, meaning that you have a harvest field that God intends you to take care of. For some, it's your family, that's your primary responsibility. You know what? I have the deepest, utmost respect for you moms. And now today, I have a son. He's a stay-at-home dad. And he takes care of those kids. He raises those kids while his wife goes off to work because she makes better money. That's all right. Whichever way it works. But I have the deepest respect for you ladies because I watched my wife raise our four boys and I just remember her trying. She would try to get up extra early so she could have a few quiet moments with the Lord. And we had this, it wasn't finished. We, a brand new house, we didn't finish the lower bathroom. So it was just a room with a hole in the ground. One of my boys used it, but we won't go there. <laughs> so she would sneak down there at like 5.30 in the morning or 5, whatever time it was, and she, she would begin to pray, open her Bible, and start reading, and, and it was just minutes. Every single time. Mommy! Usually it was Andy. If he hears this, sorry, son, I threw you under the bus. She just couldn't get away. And, and once he was up, he was up. You have to tend to him, right? You ladies, you're 24-7. Thank you. And men, if that's you. All right? You have one of the biggest responsibilities of all. Don't take it lightly. Raise those little ones in the name of the Lord. Right? Do the Proverbs 22, 6 thing. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not stray from it. That doesn't mean they won't stray in between, because they do sometimes. But they'll come back. They'll come back. 
For some of you, your work is your priority. That's your harvest field. For me, I worked at GM. My harvest field was the men that I worked with on the engines. My goal wasn't lofty. I merely wanted to love them and care for them even when my co-workers were less than cordial. Anybody work in a place like that? You know, their language was usually aimed at you, blankety-blank this, blankety-blank that. But I made it my purpose to respect every one of them, no matter their beliefs or lifestyles. And I still remember one guy, and he was really hard to love. If he ate crab for lunch, he had an indigestion problem afterwards. And he would do this intentionally. He would get us where I couldn't get out. We were because we had set. We called them cells, where each engine would run in a cell, a small room. And he'd wait till I got on the other side of the engine. He's on the side of the door. The door's shut usually, and he would bless me. <laughs> and it it was the the worst. You know, it it was on your tongue for a week. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I wanted to punch the guy. And then I would think, what would Jesus do? (laughs) Mary, you are prime today, aren't you? Mm. Listen to me, though. Those guys saw me every time I ate, I prayed. I would even ask them, is there anything I can pray for, for you? Whatever came out of my mouth was G or PG sometimes, but it was, it was mild, all right? For, especially for General Motors. When this guy, his wife told him she wanted a divorce, Guess who he turned to? Would you pray with me, Norm? We are the local church. You and me. We have a harvest that we're supposed to help bring in. Jesus has given us that responsibility. How do we get people to come to church when they no longer see its importance? First, the disciple of Christ must positively influence that un- unchurched person. That requires relationship. I'm not talking about, hey, how you doing, Billy? Each morning as you pass by their cubicle. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about a real, genuine relationship where you know them. You know if they're married. You know their wife's name if they're married. You know their kids. You know their hobbies, their interests. You dig up as much as you can about them because you want to show an interest. They need to know you care. You make sure that they see you praying over your food, like I just said. And you make sure your language is mild. Eventually, they understand that you're different from them in a good way. 
And perhaps most importantly, and I said this earlier, you pray for them regularly in your private prayer closet or wherever you go to pray, and you ask the Holy Spirit for the right opportunity to share your faith. How hard is this? How difficult is it to be Jesus with skin on? And then once the disciple demonstrates that Christian life and you positively influence those people, the second part comes into play. That's when you invite them to a Bible study, to your home for coffee, and you talk about the Lord. Or whatever it is. It can be, we have two big, you know why we do big events here? So people can, so you can invite people that you know to kind of tear down the walls a little bit. Hey, I had fun at that church. That's not so bad after all. Hey, they were nice to me. They didn't ask me for money. (laughs) Those are the two events we don't. And that's why we want to give you opportunity to be able to invite your friends to see what it looks like to be in a healthy relationship with people who love Jesus. We are the local church. As I begin to close, and if somebody's going to come up and play, now would be the time. I love you guys. Thanks for letting me pick on you. Being the local church probably sounds easy peasy, right? No. Does it scare anybody? You raise your hand. Anybody here scared about being the church? Oh, wow. Then I expect to see bunches in here soon. You guys got this. Do you know there's only one thing we can take with us to heaven? It's not our cool wardrobe like mine. Tight pants, tight shirt. (coughs) You don't know what it's been like up here trying to inhale and exhale. I feel like I'm wearing Spanx. My normal clothes. Hey, easy. Easy in the front row here. We love each other. The only thing we could take with us are people. Souls. You ever think about that? And according to the scriptures that I read, there is a day coming when you will be rewarded for every single person that you influenced. You may not have been directly involved in them coming to Jesus. You may not have been the one that prayed the sinner's prayer with them, as we like to call it. But you influenced them somehow, positively, with your life, with your love, with your kindness. We are the body. We are the local church. So my next question is, do you know where your harvest field is? Jesus said this. When he saw the crowds, notice what he said here. When he saw the crowds, he what? Imagine that. 
Do you have compassion on the lost, on your neighbor? You had compassion on them because they were confused, they were helpless, they were like a sheep without a shepherd. People need the truth. They need to hear the good news. They need to hear us share our testimony. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. And when you do, when you pray this prayer, I promise you, disciple, I promise you, missionary, you're going to be told there's somebody in your harvest that God is going to say, okay, I want you to go and minister to this one. You see, it's a dangerous prayer, but a good prayer. And it will help add to the kingdom of God. Where am I going? Who does the Lord want you to influence with the light of Jesus? I'm almost done. Would you read this with me? You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that we are praise your heavenly Father. Would you say this with me? We are the church. We must let our light shine. People need to see a difference in us. You can, don't have to follow that. Finally, lastly, maybe you're here today because of someone else's influence. And I'm, if you'd stand with me, I just want to ask, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not ready. If Jesus were to call me home today, if he were to say, Norm, this is it. Your heart's done beating. There's nothing left. It's time for you to, to meet your maker. Would you be ready? According to the scriptures, there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. He must forgive you of your sins. There's no other way. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts, and all through the epistles. They all say the same thing. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And you have to identify him as your Savior. We saw a bunch of people earlier that got in that warm water and they allowed us to baptize them. Why'd they do that? As a public proclamation that I don't serve Lucifer. I serve Jesus. Hallelujah. And there may be somebody here today who'd say, I'm not ready. Would you pray for me? And I would love the opportunity to do that. But I'd love to know who you are. Would you mind just lifting a hand up if you need Jesus? If you know you need him. We're not here to judge anybody. Right? We are here to love people. And I openly invite you to raise your hand just because we're in this together. 
And if you need Jesus, don't wait. How do you know you have another day? How do you know you have another week, another month, another year? None of us knows when God's going to say, it's time. And you can only say yes to Jesus on this side of heaven. That's how it is. So is there anybody that you'd like me to pray with? You just raise your hand real quick. Yep. Thank you. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Thank you for being brave. That takes courage. Oh, what's everybody going to think? You know what? I wouldn't worry about what anybody else thinks. You know who you need to impress? Jesus. He's the Lord. He's the King. Anybody else? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and then we're, we're going to let you go. Yes, I see that hand. Oh, thank you. Bless you. It's a little one. Don't discount this, mother. And I only say this because one of our boys did this when he was three. And we were skeptical. And there was a change in him. A change in him. And it was, he was born again. <laughs> I want you to pray this with me, saints. And if you raised your hand, pray this as though Jesus is listening right in front of you because he is. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your Son to be my Savior. And today, I call upon his saving grace. Forgive me, Lord, of all my sins, known and unknown. And cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Make me a new person. Today, I dedicate my life to you. Help me to live for you. Help me to know you. Help me to know where I'm supposed to go. If this is the church, ah, let it be so. If there's another one, just lead me to it. But help me to find a local body where I can be a part. I give you my life, all that I am, and all that I have. And I pray this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. It is exactly noon. Father, bless these folks as they come and go today. Help us to take the light, the good news, Lord, into our community because we are the local church. Keep everybody safe as they come and go. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week in the Lord. Hope to see you next week. God bless.